My name is Alan Carter. I received uh, an email after my appearance this morning on the Greg Brady Show. Uh, listening to, uh, I hope you were able to listen to uh, Greg Brady this morning on Toronto Today. I was on this morning talking about the situation in Ottawa, and I referenced foreign money funding insurrectionists in Ottawa. And I got a couple emails from people saying, "Well, what's the proof of that?" Well, I'll I'll point you to this. I'll point you to this on Saturday, Ontario, Ottawa's, pardon me, Ottawa's top cop acknowledged there are new sources of money flowing to the convoy following the suspension of the GoFundMe page, which had reaped more than 10 million in donations. Uh, Quote, we are now going after supply and fuel coming into the area through investigations and intelligence operations, said the police chief, Peter Slowly. Part of the problem with GoFundMe and the Christian replacement of Go Send Go is that we don't really know exactly where the money is coming from, but it is fairly clear that there there are sources other than just Canadian contributions going into it. And then yesterday, organizers of the protest hold what I... I guess I'll call it a press conference, but it really wasn't a press conference. It only featured those who were asking questions that were very friendly to uh, organizers, had, uh, you, you know, credible journalist organization in there. And there was a lot of talk about Bitcoin and the use of Bitcoin to further fund protests. So I want to talk about Bitcoin and also cryptocurrency and its use in the protest and how it works. And for that, I'm pleased to welcome to the program Dr. Erica, pardon me, Dr. Erica Pimentel, who is a professor at the Smith School of Business at Queen's University. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Uh, are you surprised by organizers of the protest talking so much about Bitcoin? Did that come out of the blue for you? Not at all. Actually, when I saw that the GoFundMe page had been shut down, I thought to myself, they're going to move to a decentralized option. Um, because one of the things that they've done now is that there's a campaign on a website called Tally Coin, which is a Bitcoin-based uh, crowdfunding app where anybody can donate, anyone in the world, pseudo-anonymously, can donate to the convoy. And this is not something that the government can stop down, can stop easily. It could be stopped, but not easily. And it allows any individual to donate. So I'm not surprised, first of all, that they move to a decentralized option. Also because, let's be honest, ideologically, Bitcoin and the convoy are sort of aligned, right? Both of them are this libertarian, uh, small government or no government deregulation movement. And so we see that there's an alignment there as well. So when we talked about cryptocurrency, and let's back it up before, you know, the protest in the convoy, there was a lot of talk about the benefits of deregulation of financial currency, government oversight, all kinds of other things. But there were also warnings on the other side. Could you give me sort of the pros and cons of decentralized cryptocurrencies? Sure. So the benefit, number one, why Bitcoin started. Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency ever made. It was about almost 15 years ago now was a response to the financial crisis, right, of the late 2000s, saying, look, bankers have not been there for us, governments have not been there for us, we're going to create an alternate financial order that is decentralized, does not rely on these big players to tell us where and how we can put our money. Now, of course, there's benefits to making transactions happen quicker, happen cheaper, happen more efficiently. There's also arguments to say, well, a lot of folks just can't participate in traditional banks or financial orders. Uh, They don't have an address or things like that. So there is a way to maybe 
open up commerce, open up financial transactions to people in a blockchain-based world. The problem is that these things are very difficult to regulate, very difficult to oversee, especially because they are pseudo-anonymous, meaning there are ways to know that you, who's transacting with the Bitcoin, but it's very difficult to do so. Um, and we need to worry about investor protection. Right now, a lot of regular people are investing in Bitcoin as a way to potentially make money. Do these individuals understand blockchain? Do they understand the risks? Maybe yes, maybe no. And so just yesterday, there was a bill introduced um, by a conservative MP asking the government to put forward a framework to promote growth in cryptocurrencies uh, and to provide some legislation and to provide some certainty there. So there's pros, there's cons, but we really need the government to step in and give us some regulation if we really want this to move forward in a way that becomes mainstream. Uh, Erica, I think you hit on something that is absolutely key here is, is I think that, you know, when we talk about crypto, when we talk about Bitcoin, we think of it as a investment vehicle and we judge it on those terms. Is it risky? Is it, you know, am I going to get my money back? But you're talking about an ideology that goes along with it. Um, do you think that's just not understood by investors? Here's the thing. If Bitcoin starts being seen as the currency of social movements, then its ideological origin becomes very, very important. And I'm not sure that if I was an asset manager on Bay Street that I really want to be aligning myself with an asset class that is highly, highly ideological. It's no longer just a way to diversify into a new product. Because if I'm going to diversify into a new product, I'm sure there's some new hedge fund out there or some, I don't know, commodity that's future that tracks weather prices. If all I want to do is diversification. But we cannot ignore that Bitcoin is highly ideological. And so we've seen a lot of big fish, you know, starting to move into the Bitcoin space. We're seeing funds based on Bitcoin. But I think the Freedom Convoy reminds us that this is not ideologically free. It's not just another stock. And so we have to get on board with the ideology if we really want to um, see a future for Bitcoin. Been a fascinating conversation. Erica, thank you so much for your time today. No problem. Anytime. Take care. Erica Pimentel is a professor at the Smith School of Business at Queen's University, and she's focused her academic research on crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs. And I hope that opened your mind a little bit about crypto and its ideological underpinnings.